Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. We are closing in on the midway point of the NFL's regular season. And if week eight was the week of the backup quarterback, is this going to be the week where the starting quarterbacks strike back? I am your host, Richard Graves. This is Graves on Gridiron. And first up, full disclosure, like many others, we fell foul on the show to the backup quarterback of the three games picks last week. The Titans dug themselves out of an early 14-point hole to take care of business in Indianapolis, but the Bengals, who were up double digits in the fourth quarter, somehow contrived to lose to the backup quarterback, Mike White, and the New York Jets. And then the resurgent New England Patriots took care of the Chargers handily in Los Angeles to mean that Graves on Gridiron went 1-2 and two in the predictions against the line last week. If you are new to the show, the concept is simple. We look at each week's slate of games, pick three of them against the line set by the odds makers, and I will then break it down and look at which way to go, whether they should go over the line, under the line, and see where we go from there. Over the course of the season so far, the show's record is 14-7. and We're consigning Week 8 to history and turning the page on Week 9 in the NFL. Graves on Gridiron. With Richard Graves. Well, welcome along to Graves on Gridiron. If you're a new subscriber to this podcast, then it's a pleasure having you along for the show. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. 14 and 7, like we touched upon, is the record so far this season against the line. We're going to strive to be a perfect 3 and 0 in week 9. And of the three games selected, we're going to start with one of those teams that let the show down last weekend, the Cincinnati Bengals. The enigma that is the Cincinnati Bengals, a week removed from going into Baltimore and blowing out the Ravens. They then went to the New York Jets with a 10.5 point spread. They were favoured by 10.5 points and midway through the fourth quarter, everything looked rosy. They had a double digit lead, but then all hell broke loose. And before you knew it, Mike White had become a household name in New Jersey and the New York Jets had recorded just their second win of the season. Well, this week, it's back down to business for the Bengals. It's an AFC North affair with the Cleveland Browns in town. The Bengals start the game as two-and-a-half-point favourites. And honestly, if you can show me two teams that came off more damaging defeats in Week 8... I'm not sure there are two more teams than the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Browns, of course, lost a close one, a low-scoring affair against AFC North rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Bengals, as we touched upon, blew a double-digit fourth-quarter lead to lose to the New York Jets. Uh, A week ago, people were talking about the Bengals as possibly, possibly being the best team in the AFC. All that changes on one result and the Cincinnati Bengals now have to to go again. As for the Cleveland Browns, well, it's a team that's battling week in, week out now for coach Kevin Stefanski, but they're being dragged down simply by the the weight of injuries to to key players. Just look at this injury report going into last week's game. You had Odell Beckham Jr., who was questionable going into the game. Jadavin Clowney was also questionable going into the game with a series of ailments. Where else? Defensive tackle, Malik Jackson had a knee problem. Baker Mayfield, the quarterback, we know how he's been held together at the moment, having had a dislocated shoulder, a fracture around that joint as well, yet somehow he's still got himself out there onto the field 
to play for for the uh, for the Browns last weekend. Wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones didn't suit up with a groin injury. Tack McKinley is dealing with a groin injury as well. Kareem Hunt's never played. Nick Chubb uh, was a full go-, go in the final practice of last week at and played, but look, that the Browns are struggling against adversity right now, and they kept it close against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but even when the Steelers lost their kicker and weren't even able to attempt field goals, they still found a way to win, and I just think it's perhaps too much to expect the Browns to overcome all this right now, especially against a Cincinnati Bengals team that really do have a point to prove. Now, this is a team that's a franchise that's gone through several seasons where they, they just weren't entertained as viable um, opponents. And yet this season, they, they've been a different team. Um, they, they, they're winning games, they're confounding critics, and then you, you, you get to a game where you're, you're favoured to win, you're expected to win, you're up by double digits in the fourth quarter, and you cannot close it out. It all means that the Baltimore Ravens still sit pretty at the top of the AFC North by half a game. The Bengals are behind them with a 5-3 and three record. The Cleveland Browns are at 500-4-4. and four. Of course, that means the Browns are still very much in it, just a game behind the Bengals. But I think this is a get-right game for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, when Cleveland are healthy, there are a few better teams in the AFC. But as I've highlighted, they simply are not healthy. In contrast... The Bengals have that chip on their shoulder and it's just got a heck of a lot bigger having spent the whole week listening to local media outlets, national media outlets, all basically lauding Mike White, this unheard of backup quarterback, and the New York Jets because they've got one win. But that one win was against the Bengals who are supposed to be good and were being crowned almost um, seven days earlier. That has got to hurt, and I think it does hurt. I think this is a get-right game for the Cincinnati Bengals. They average more points per game than Cleveland this season. They concede fewer points per game than the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are not healthy. I think the Bengals take advantage of a depleted Browns team this weekend. I think they get back to winning ways. The line has the Bengals favoured by two and a half points. Take the Cincinnati Bengals at minus 2.5. Our second game of three sees the Minnesota Vikings travel to the Baltimore Ravens and we're looking at the total points for this game. The line is set at 49.5 points total for the game. And if there's any head coach on a hotter seat right now than the Minnesota Vikings head coach, Mike Zimmer, I would be surprised. He's been there a number of years. He's got a good team, good players, good personnel on the field around him. But last weekend, Sunday night football defeat to the Dallas Cowboys has to have been a hammer blow. Somehow, some way this season, pretty much every game, the Minnesota Vikings find a way to take it pretty much to the last kick of the game or into overtime, no matter the standard of opponents. And that's what happened again last weekend. If the Cowboys had been at full strength, if Dak Prescott had been playing under centre, fine, you can um, take that. The Cowboys have only lost one game this season. But when you're at home, when you've strung back-to-back wins together, when you're feeling good about yourselves and a team comes in with a backup quarterback by the name of Cooper Rush, who, unless you live in the New York or Dallas area, I very much doubt you've ever even heard of Cooper Rush, you are expected to take care of business. And you look at the 
the quartet on offense, particularly that the, the Minnesota Vikings have Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins. Those should be four names that strike fear into the heart of any opposition, any defense. And for the Minnesota Vikings to only be able to muster 16 points over the course of a game against the Cowboys on Sunday night at home, I find almost unfathomable. What I find even more incomprehensible is the fact that they then allowed a backup quarterback who was playing, I think, throwing his first competitive passes since 2017. He'd had three snaps this season, but hadn't attempted to pass um, in those three snaps. To allow him to go 70, 75 yards, whatever it was, to the game-winning drive and throw a perfect ball in a cor back corner of the end zone to Amari Cooper to, to win it on the road. Wow. Um, and, and you question some of the effort there as well on third and 11, the dump off pass to Zeke Elliott, Anthony Barr, at least as big as Zeke Elliott. You expect him to be able to take care of Zeke Elliott. He couldn't. Zeke Elliott's breaking through tackles, first down Dallas. On the Cowboys' first touchdown play, Cedric Wilson hauls in a 73-yard pass and Smith is twisting and turning left and right. It's, something doesn't feel right about the Vikings right now. They stand at three and four. They're still in the playoff hunt, certainly for one of the two wildcard spots in the NFC. But something doesn't look right. Something doesn't feel right. And you better believe the discontent in Minnesota with the way the team is being coached is growing by the day. Now, you've got the Baltimore Ravens back on home soil. They've had two weeks, two weeks, mind, to mull over the humiliation, the humbling performance that saw them go down to the Cincinnati Bengals, a game in which they shipped 41 points, most unravens like, oh, they've got a point to prove this weekend. They wanted to come out off that bye and get back on the horse. And oh, by the way, their bye was made all the more enjoyable because, as we've already touched upon, the Bengals blew a tyre out in New Jersey went down to the Jets, and that means the Ravens somehow still find themselves on top of the AFC North. So you, you look at these two teams, you look at this matchup, with the head coach Mike Zimmer for the Vikings, his seat getting hotter by the day, with the Ravens wanting to come out all guns blazing from the bye week and prove who they are once again in the NFL and in the AFC North. And oh, by the way, a little nugget for you, Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson in his career is 11-0 when playing against teams from the NFC. I've got, got to say, I, first of all, I don't see the Minnesota Vikings winning this game. But equally, I don't see it being a shootout either. I think there's too much on the line. I think it's about taking care of business first and foremost. The Ravens certainly aren't going to be shipping another 41 points uh, on, on home soil, They're in front of their own fans, they want to prove the point once more, say we're back, it won't be a shootout. I think it's probably too much for the Vikings on the road, their history this season of having close games. The line for total points is set at 49.5. Take the under in this, under 49.5 total points in this game. Graves on Gridiron. Okay, the final game of three selected this week sees the LA Chargers travel across country from coast to coast to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. 
I know we took the charges last week and they let us down. Well, I'm going to take the charges again this week and they're not going to be letting us down. The opening line for this has the charges favoured by one and a half points. I hear what people are saying. Back-to-back -back defeats have left some doubting the LA Chargers now this season. But those losses were on the road to the Baltimore Ravens first up. And then last week, albeit at home, it was against a resurgent New England Patriots and coach Bill Belichick, a team who I think has a star that's in the ascendancy and is finding itself right now. Let's be really clear straight off the bat, the Philadelphia Eagles are not in the same category as either of those two teams. That being said, if Philly are to win this game, it's fairly obvious what their game plan's going to have to be. And that is to run the ball, run the ball, and when you've had enough of running the ball, run it some more. Stats speak for themselves. The LA Chargers are dead last in run defense this season. They give up around 160 yards per game on the ground. Philadelphia's leading rusher coincidentally happens to also be their quarterback, Jalen Hurts. He's racked up 432 yards on the ground this season. And equally, this is the key to the game, not just for the Philadelphia Eagles, but for the LA Chargers. Because, sure, Jalen Hurts has the ability to extend plays, to make plays with his legs. But if the Chargers' defense can keep Hurts largely in the pocket, turning him into a pocket passer for this game, the Philadelphia Eagles don't live with the LA Chargers. The Chargers on their own offense, look at the weapons they've got. Austin Eckler out of the backfield. You've got Mike Williams. You've got Keenan Allen. You've got that cannon of an arm from quarterback Justin Herbert. They are going to score points. And simply, the Philadelphia Eagles don't possess it within themselves to go score for score with a high-octane, high-powered offense like the LA Chargers. The best comparison I can make, I think it was the first weekend in October when the Kansas City Chiefs took on the Philadelphia Eagles. We all know how porous that Chiefs defense has been throughout this season. And equally, look at the weapons they've got and the explosiveness they've got on offense. They ended up winning that game 42-30, I think it, it was. It ended up being a shootout. Ultimately, the Eagles made mistakes. They couldn't live with them. And my whole point is, if you force Jalen Hurts to be a pocket passer, he will give you opportunities to turn over the ball. You look at the divisional standings for these two sides, I think already the Eagles are doing better than they might have hoped for at three and five. They're just on the very edge of that race for a wildcard spot. Conversely, the LA Chargers have a winning record. They're four and three. They're a game back of the Raiders in the AFC West. This is a big time game now for, for the Chargers. It's a show me game, if you like. After all the early season hype when they were rolling the dice on fourth down, getting exciting wins. They've had a couple of defeats. They need to get back on that horse and get back to winning ways. Equally, if you are going to be that team, then when you face a team, no disrespect intended, but when you face a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, you have to take care of business and get the job done. I think the Chargers with a line favoured by one and a half points. Look, I am jumping over that. All day long. The Chargers simply are a better team than the Philadelphia Eagles. I have a friend who talks about Jalen Hurts and he keeps talking about the Eagles 
putting teams in the Hertz locker. Well, at three and five this season, the Eagles have spent more time in the Hertz locker than their opponents have. And I don't see that changing uh, this Sunday afternoon. Take the LA Chargers at minus 1.5. So just to recap the three games taken in week nine of the NFL's regular season then. First up, take the Cincinnati Bengals at minus 2.5 at home to the Cleveland Browns. In our second game, the Minnesota Vikings traveling to the Baltimore Ravens. Take the under at total points, under 49.5 total points. And then last up, the LA Chargers traveling across country to face the Philadelphia Eagles. Take the Chargers at minus 1.5. If you want to read the details and thinking behind everything we've spoken about on the show today, go to www.gravesongridiron.com. You'll find it there in the blog in written form. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at Richard Graves one We're looking to win them all. Go 3-0 in Week 9. Improve on that 14-7 winning record. Thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us. And we look forward to talking more NFL games next week on Graves on Gridiron. Subscribe to Graves on Gridiron wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep up to date with the latest on Twitter. Search for Richard Graves 1. That's Richard Graves, the number one.